0: Have you ever wondered if you could make a difference? This podcast brings you inspirational people who are making a tremendous difference. We will also be talking to experts in the field of creating the mindset you need so that nothing holds you back from making your vision a reality right now. Welcome to the Game Changers podcast. And now here's your host, Michelle Dutro.
1: Welcome everybody to this week's Game Changer podcast. I'm excited today to be talking about somebody who is not just someone that I respect and admire a great deal for what they're doing in their personal life, but I also do in my professional life because we know each other from a work environment that is very unusual for me, certainly a first for this podcast. So I'm going to do a little deviation here. Normally, I give the whole background of somebody, but I want to launch right into this question. Brett, uh, when we are together in any kind of function where there's a lot of other people and I say, hey, Brett, uh, you know, who am I to you as it relates to Seattle? What is the required response to everybody? What is that?
0: <laughs> the required response, Michelle, is that you were the first and best and most trusted and only friend that I had in Seattle when I first moved here from San Francisco.
1: That that is right. And we didn't even rehearse that before starting this recording. So that is accurate. So that means that he can actually stay on this show then and we'll keep this recording going. So that's it. So we uh, we have known each other for uh, a little over two years. And um, he prior lived in San Francisco, where he has worked for uh, Clark Construction, actually from uh, more years prior to that. But he's from San Francisco prior to Seattle. And we kind of swapped roles. So now he's up in Seattle. I'm down in San Francisco. But we did overlap for a couple of years while I was still in Seattle. So like I said, he... Um, he is the general manager of Clark Construction up uh, up in Seattle. He has spent the last decade working on some of the most uh, huge projects and um, high profile projects. So, there's obviously a lot of trust uh, for him within the organization. And it's astounding, quite frankly, when I looked at his entire resume, which I didn't know prior to this podcast. I don't know how any one person gets done what he gets done in, in a given day, let alone a week, because there's a lot of stuff here. So, I'm not even going to highlight all of the volunteer work that he does. I'm going to just highlight one. One specific part of it. But trust me, it really does mirror the whole rest of his life of the level that he lives his life with integrity and with uh, caring for others that really do need our attention that many others may uh, may not know of or folks that may slip through the cracks. So the reason for this specific interview today is we're coming into the holidays. As you know, the tagline for this show is inspiring people to make a difference. And when I found out that Brett was doing this this journey that he was recently on, I immediately reached out to him and said, hey, I'd love to talk to you about this because this is the point of this show. And for any of you listening who are thinking, you know, going into 2016, I'd like to do more volunteer work or I'd like to get involved somehow, some way, but I don't know how to start or I don't know what to do and I don't even know what's out there. I hope that this conversation maybe answers some of those questions and maybe inspires you in some way to say, you know what, maybe one person in fact can make a difference. So, the part that we're going to talk about today out of, uh, out of Brett's free time, that I don't know how he has any, is his international involvement, which includes uh, uh, working with a friend of his uh, from back in his college days, which is Bucknell University, um, and a fellow Clark uh, employee as well, who actually founded Bicycles Against Poverty. Um, currently Brett serves as a board member for that organization and this organization utilizes bicycles to increase accessibility to critical resources, facilitate community cooperation and build financial management skills among low income entrepreneurs in East Africa. I've never heard of anything even remotely like this and find this so fascinating. So with that introduction, Brett, what did I leave out about your personal or professional life that we should all know?
0: Um, about, uh, it, well, thank you very much. First and foremost, uh, it was a very lovely and flattering introduction, much appreciated. Um, you know, the only thing that was probably left out is, uh, you know, I, I, I have been with Clark for 14 years and, it uh, it's a, been a great company to work for Has afforded me a lot of the opportunities for, you know, having some free time to do this volunteer work. I'm originally from, from, uh, central Pennsylvania and then started my career at our headquarters in Washington, DC. But, uh, you're pretty spot on there. So I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this and excited to to tell you a little bit more about, uh, about this recent trip that I had to Uganda.
1: Excellent. And I did leave one thing out. He has a lovely and gorgeous fiance, Meg, who uh, really is, I'm sure, the reason why uh, he is uh, as great as he is. So let's just <laughs> put that out there. I've met her and I can speak to that myself. So So with that being said, Brett, tell us uh, really what, a little bit more about um, uh, Bicycles Against Poverty, why your friend founded this, why your level of involvement, and why out of everything you could be doing, you're spending time supporting this particular organization.
0: Sure, absolutely. Um, So Miyambi is a good friend of mine, uh, graduated a few years after I did from Bucknell, as you had mentioned, and one of the biggest things in, in giving back, and I moved around the country, and for each place, I, I tried to get involved uh, somehow, some way in the in the local community. But you know, knowing Miami's story, and and once the once Bicycles Against Poverty started to formalize itself more into a, a true nonprofit, I knew that in lieu of being a part of a, a very large, uh, albeit you know, great set of other organizations, that a kind of startup nonprofit like this was a place that I could both have a lot of personal fulfillment as well as uh, have a very large impact. And uh, quite honestly, I, I don't think I knew what that impact really was. I, I thought that it would be great. But until I was there a, a few weeks ago uh, to see firsthand truly what what transpired with the bicycles that we were giving to people was, uh, was very eye-opening. But originally, I wanted to find something that I could truly get behind, be passionate about, and understand that was truly going to to better people's lives in a you know first person in lieu of multiple different uh, you know degrees of separation. I, I really wanted to have that firsthand impact. So that's why I decided to uh, originally get involved as a, a an outside fundraiser, and then when we formulated the board two years ago, uh, be a part of the initial board uh, of Bicycles Against Poverty.
1: So break this down for folks a little bit more. So, I mean, are you literally, you know, bringing a hundred bicycles on a plane over there? Are you buying them while you're there? What, what exactly is that?
0: Sure. Look like? So, so the, the model is that we, um, we've got about 12 people boots on the ground in Gulu, Uganda. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, Uganda is just west of Kenya and Ethiopia, just south of South Sudan and is actually where, the Nile River begins out of Lake Victoria before it starts moving north through Egypt and, and where most people think of the Nile. Uh, just from a geographic standpoint, what the model is here is is not necessarily specific donations to Ugandans, but it is um, we we buy bicycles that are that are broken down. We hire local folks in Google Uganda. And then we go out with applications to small villages and tribes within a two-hour radius of Gulu, and in doing that, uh, we provide people the opportunity to buy back the bike over a long period of time, and also build up credit history. So a lot of a large piece of this is a microfinance standpoint, so that they can. Uh, enable or it enables them to have credit history to both become entrepreneurial as well as get bigger and better loans for other things to, to help them succeed. And Michelle, one thing that I, I didn't note there about uh, about Miambi is, um, you know, I mentioned his story, but I didn't mention what his story was. And very briefly, what that is, is Miambi um, is from Uganda, from southwest Uganda. And when he was younger, he Had malaria, and he was put on the back of a bicycle and uh, rode about 20 miles to a medical clinic where they saved his life. And ever since then, he knew that he wanted to go back and at least give people the means to provide medical access to those that were ill. And in starting to look at that, we found that bicycles weren't just for medical access, but to give people other opportunities in addition to medical access. So that's a bit of a Miyabi story and a bit of kind of the, the personal aspect of, of why I also got involved.
1: So I, I'm dropping my head around the financial aspect of this for these folks and, and in building their own business and learning what all of that means. But the initial investment for you guys in, in getting these bicycles to them and having them rebuilt, how is that fundraising done?
0: Uh, so it's it's really word of mouth and flyers that we sent. We we originally started with a, a base of folks from Bucknell and friends and family. And um, Clark Construction's also um, been very uh, very generous in their giving over the past few years. But the fundraising that we do is uh, in essence, it's a hundred dollars to get a bicycle uh, to Uganda, manufactured and then shipped out to the. Uh, to the people, so for hundred dollars we get a bicycle out, and then a portion of that we have we have them pay back, and all of those funds go right back into providing additional bicycles. So um, you start with the initial fundraising and investment, and portions of that are paid back to ensure that there's all there's a sustainable aspect of the nonprofit, so that it's always continuously generating and feeding itself, but also going out to get. Uh, additional fundraising from people that that see the benefits that uh, that we were able to see a few weeks ago in Uganda.
1: Wow! So since the inception of this, roughly speaking, how many bicycles do you think are there now because of uh, because of your guys's efforts?
0: So um, as of as of Thanksgiving of this year, when we were there, we had donated over twenty one hundred bicycles since wow. two thousand nine. So it sounds like a long time and uh, uh, for six years, but really this year we have donated over a thousand. So we doubled what we had done in five years this year. And, you know, through that it's usually a family or a village that's impacted. So when you talk about people that are impacted, You know, two thousand bicycles is estimated to be well over ten thousand people that are impacted by that. Those bicycles.
1: No kidding. So, what happened? What happened in this last year to make such a significant
0: leap? So, uh, so two years ago, we formalized a board. We had, um, you know, in lieu of having our executive director do trips back and forth to the United States and Uganda, she is uh, she's living in Gulu full time. Uh, We've increased our our local presence by hiring people that, that have graduated at least through secondary school in Uganda to be a part of our boots in the ground that do that, you know, know what the tribes have, uh, and villages have been through and speak the language so that they can, uh, they can help us translate as well as really help reach people that initially were a bit humble and a bit shy to, to ask for the help. And, uh, and it's really, uh, you know, doubling this year and we're projecting that we'll be able to get over 2000 bikes out next year with some, some pretty aspirational goals by 2020, but we're, uh, we're, 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 still continuing to grow, but very, very much in a way that we want to, we want to ensure that the social impact is not lost in the growth.
1: Right. So I'm assuming you're paying for all of the costs yourself.
0: Yes. Yep.
1: And um, Clark Construction are they giving you the vacation time or is that your own time?
0: So that's my own time. I, I will. I will say that you know Clark has been very generous. Uh, everyone from individuals throughout the company to a end of the year uh, where each Clark employee gets to to donate a uh, hundred dollars to their chosen their chosen charity has been very generous in donating thousands of dollars to bicycles against poverty. But from the standpoint of my trip to Uganda, as well as my vacation time, that was, uh, that was my money and my vacation time.
1: Wow. Well, like I started this off, um, I <clears throat> admire you greatly, which is one more reason why. So out of this trip, it's, you know, that's a stretch for a lot of people, just the concept of what you're doing and where it is. Was there anything from the first time that you went that concerned you about, you know, that a foreign country, what you're doing, you know, the unknown, what was the, what was, you know, back in the first time that you ever were there, the greatest concerns that you had around that?
0: Yeah. I, so there were a few concerns. I, I think the, the biggest, you know, there was the social impact concern, and then there's the kind of safety concern in 2006, uh, Uganda was, was the end of the quote unquote civil war, civil unrest in, in Uganda. So, you know, it's it's a it's a very stable yet you know recently out of um, political unrest, if you will. So there was a, a few concerns initially, but uh, they were very quickly dismissed. Uh, I've once getting there, um have never felt unsafe whatsoever. Then from the social impact, uh, when you're giving bicycles to to folks and you know other folks around them don't have them, you always worry, worry about. Things being stolen, and what what can the negatives be when when you're trying to have a positive social impact? You know, are the negatives that it causes rifts between villages? Does it you know uh, cause issues between family members? One that applies and is you know able to get a bike, and the other one that's not. And also, we provide additional services and workshops um, from entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurial and financial to you know how to deal with family and domestic issues and, and some some of those are are pretty big risks going into a new community. And I think that as I mentioned before, having these additional folks join our team that uh, that are from the local community has been a, a huge help in, in understanding what people have gone through and asking the right questions. So it's it's you know back to your initial question, I, I had some small initial concerns, but they were alleviated very quickly.
1: So you brought up a lot of different points from, like you said, safety and security to, I mean, even logistics and, you know, how all this is going to go down out of everything that you anticipated. And then after being there um, and seeing exactly how this was all going to play out, what is the thing that really when you look back over all of this journey has surprised you the most?
0: It's, it's uh, thinking about this since I got back and there's two stories that I'll share with you in a second, but it's really how one bicycle can change an entire village's life. And, you know, we, I, you know, I have got a bicycle sitting in my basement and I use it a, a few times a year and, you know, just go down and, and look at that bicycle and say, well, wow, this could provide an entire village, such greater opportunity and it's something that we we take for granted on a a a daily weekly annual basis if you will so the experience uh, and like i said i'll I'll share two quick stories with you the the first was we went to both villages where we had already donated bicycles and villages that we were um, about to donate bicycles and a story from the village that we had already uh donated there's a um Everyone knows malaria, uh, or at least has a general idea of what malaria is. And malaria is not not that horrible if treated right away. It's it's like having a very very bad flu. But there's a uh, a strand of it, if you will, that is cerebral malaria, uh, in that convulsions and and, um, and and quite frankly, death can happen a, a lot more rapidly. And a gentleman was telling us how uh, about. Eight weeks after receiving his bicycle, his son fell ill with cerebral malaria, and it would typically, with him carrying him or a group of them carrying him, would have taken six to eight hours to get to one of their lower-level medical clinics, and then they would have to put him on the back of a motorcycle to get him to a better uh, medical clinic. Um, In lieu of that, he was able to take a 35-minute bicycle ride with his son to get him treated um, and cured without having any any further injury or death or anything like that. And and that was a very just hearing him speak and how proud he was of his, his eight year old son. You know, he had tears in our, his eyes and it certainly brought tears to our eyes to just understand that, you know, the bicycle provided an opportunity for him to, you know, whether it's save the life or just ensure that there was not that, uh, panic stricken moment. He knew exactly what to do. Just jump on the bike and, and go. And there've been other lesser cases of that in the same village where he's let people borrow his bike to, to go get medical access for a number of different things. But that, that was a very, um, very just impactful, uh, dialogue that we had with this gentleman that, 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 went on for, for 20 or 30 minutes the other story, and, and there there were there were many, but I won't uh, I won't bog down your podcast with with all of my stories. Um, the second one was a woman that uh, that owned uh, seven acres of land, and she was about to receive her bicycle, and she had put together a plan of of her seven acres. She was only able to farm half an acre, and of that uh, okra and peppers, she was uh, only able to get about. Twenty pounds or so a week to the the local trading center, and by allowing her to have a bicycle, she was able to carry forty pounds every single day and double to triple her income. That then she could got could go and buy a mattress, a mosquito net, and an ox plow, so that she could then, um, in lieu of only harvesting half of an acre she was able to go or sure she has plans on going up to a full acre before she she lets uh, the rest of her family start to use the bicycle uh, buy another bicycle from us for the family to ensure that uh, she can continue to grow to in hopefully the very near future but within the next year or two utilize the majority if not all of that seven acres so that she can provide a better life for herself her family and her village as a whole.
1: Wow. So I know that anybody listening, I mean, it's, it's to your point, it's the stuff that we take for granted that we have access to daily. Um, when you think about that very little thing, whatever that is, and, and we know certainly we hear about, uh, fresh water, fresh running water, but all the way down to a bicycle, how it could save a child's life or turn economically an entire family, let alone a village around. And the, the point of this podcast and inspiring you to make a difference is, while you are, and, and certainly you and this organization are making a tremendous difference, I know that there's always a greater impact that all of this has on you. So for you personally, after all of the involvement that you've had and the stories and the people that you have met, how has this changed you personally?
0: You know, the, the, the biggest aspect of that is is to, you know, I... I'd... I've done a little bit of fundraising here or there, but uh, it certainly made me not shy to ask people to to help. Um, But the the biggest impact it's had on me along with humility is really reflecting back on things that I and my family and friends take for granted and to help remind each of us and myself on a daily basis. Um, I took a picture with the gentleman that uh, was telling me the story about his son uh, and I've got that posted on a, a meganized refrigerator and, you know, walk past it every day. And, you know, regardless of how bad of a day um, you, you had or even when you have a good day, it makes you feel better. But looking at that picture reminds me on a daily basis that, um, you know, people have far less work just as hard, if not harder, and are very happy, hospitable, very loving people. And if they're able to live that type of life, then who am I to be upset that, you know, I missed the bus or I got a flat tire or, you know, someone bumped into line at the airport or something of that nature. And, and the little things that, uh, that can frustrate us or, um, you know, we, we just take for granted, it's, it's, it's something that I, I'll look at every, every day for, you know, the rest of my life, or at least until I go back next year and and have another similar story and take another picture. And, you know, it's, it's just something to, to really not take for granted the life that we have and the opportunities that we have, not just for ourselves, but, uh, in our ability to give back. And, you know, maybe it's not a bicycle for everyone, but, uh, you know, everyone truly can have a, a first degree, if you will, impact, uh, socially, if you find the right organization and that you're passionate about it,
1: exactly. Now, if someone is listening and they're thinking, "Wow, you know, um, maybe I could be doing something in in any capacity, somewhere, somehow," is that what you would say the greatest impact to somebody's life is on on sort of changing your your normal perspective of life and and to the point, right of, of you know, losing our mind if we lose an internet connection or there's a slow internet connection right at the hotel we're staying at. I mean, we, we really do want to, you know, uh, freak out about that kind of stuff. Is that one of the biggest impacts to, you know, life before doing this kind of work compared to life now of a new normal that your perspective on truly what matters completely changes?
0: Absolutely. Uh, w- without a doubt. I mean, I've been a part of or volunteered for a number of large organizations and, you know, it makes you feel good for, you know the day, the week when you get the emails or the the newsletter. Um, but this is something that I can look at on a daily basis and and say, hey, you know, how how can I do something, or how can I plan the next trip, or how can I, you know, write an article, whether it be in my little local community letter here in Seattle, or or um, you know, nationally through someone as great as yourself, Michelle, and and, and your podcast, but spreading the word that people, you know, it doesn't need to be bicycles against poverty. We, we certainly, and I'm very, uh, hopeful that people would try to get involved with bicycles against poverty, but, it, you know, just understanding that, um, you know, it, I, I think a lot of people sometimes get tied up and, Oh, I'm just going to donate some money and it'll end up in the right place. And, and not to say that. It doesn't, but you know, some organizations that are um, that are bigger sometimes that money gets a little bit lost, and the time and the volunteering, um, you know, wears off after a little while. Um, I would, I would challenge people to you know get to that point where there is a new normal, and whether that's um, something small in your community or something that's um, a new startup nonprofit NGO, INGO. In somewhere like Uganda, Um, but it's got to mean something to you and it's got to be something that you're passionate about. It also needs to be something that you're able to take away something that you can look at on a daily basis and, and know that you've made a difference and that you want to continue to try to make a difference.
1: Exactly. And, you know, it is kind of the why behind that, right? If, if your why is checking a box to say that you donated. And again, there's absolutely, I don't want to, I don't want to dissuade anybody out there from not doing that because there's a lot of organizations that need the funding for sure. But adding to that of your why behind why you're contributing is if you are going to have a different way of looking at life and the way your perspective is about struggle or challenge or hurdles and, A lot of folks I know that are struggling in some way, shape, or form in their current life, it's amazing the perspective that you have that changes when you get outside of your current normal, if you will, world that you live in. And, and just that shift of perspective and in, in being around folks that truly, uh, it's, it, it is a complete game changer for them to have a bicycle. I think, I don't know how there's any other way that you can go back to your life and continue to live it the same way you used to. So I, I do hope people are listening and, and feel this level of inspiration. If they are specific to this organization, to yours... What is the way that they could jump online and learn more about whether they want to fly over there with you next year or donate money in any way to help support what you're doing? What is the best way they can uh, find a way to do that?
0: Absolutely. It's it's pretty easy. It's www.bicyclesagainstpoverty.org. Um, our website has got uh, all the information on Miambi, um, as well as Molly, who's our executive director, how it came about at Bucknell and, uh, and then obviously a little bit of information about the board, but most importantly, it's got a lot of testimonials from, uh, from the folks that we've been able to, to help through giving bicycles, you know, and it's, it's, it's an evolving, it's an evolving group and organization. And that's, that's what, I like about it is that we're able to have not just this this great feeling and this new normal when I when I got back here, but it's something that we are constantly looking at how we can continue to better folks' lives in Uganda. So you know we've we've started to take a look at now they right now only all we do is bicycles, but once they repay uh, that loan, a lot of folks uh, have given us feedback that you know they still don't have enough credit history to buy that mattress or buy that mosquito net or the water filtration devices and things of that nature or the ox plow. So we're starting to look at, um, you know, it would still be called Bicycles Against Poverty, but we would likely use our acronym BAP, B-A-P, to start providing uh, additional services so that they can continue to have the necessities that they need and um, to provide more and more credit so that when they get to a point where they need a, a bigger loan for hopefully someday a motorcycle or something of that sort that, uh, that they can go back to us and we can be that, uh, credit verification that they, they are able to pay it back. Um, but.
1: Cool. So back to your point where you had said, Hey, whatever it is, find something you're passionate about. And, and I'll tell you the thing, specifically that I love about your organization is, it could be about the bicycles it's uh, it could be about the entrepreneurial spirit it could be about you know uh building a better economy in the village there's there's a host of different reasons uh that you could attach yourself to saying hey this aspect of this particular project really means a great deal to me but if somebody is saying okay well that's cool i'm not you know i'm not sure what i want to do or where i want to spend my time Like I started this uh, conversation out, this is by far not the only thing Brett does, to be very clear with you. So another organization that he's um, also involved with locally in Seattle is the Safe Crossings Foundation, uh, amongst others. So... How do you, Brett, personally, when you're, you know, looking at how you're going to spend the, you know, precious time that you do have, and if someone's listening saying, gosh, I don't even know where to get started. If I'm, if I'm looking around trying to figure out where my fit is, where I'm most passionate, how does somebody even start to, to locate or figure out what organizations are out there to see what a fit for them is, whether that's, you know, locally or internationally, what would you say?
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's not actually a very easy question. And a lot of times, um, well, first of all, I owe the Safe Crossings Foundation uh, completely to you. You introduced me to them a year or so ago. So, being on the board of Safe Crossings Foundation is uh, completely attributed to you.
1: Well, that was um, that was not that yeah. was not that was not a, a planned <laughs> plug, everybody. There's a lot of them that I will do. I promise you, that was not one of them. <laughs>
0: um, but uh, you know, I think that first and foremost, you, you need to. And if you don't know what's meaningful to you, um, there are many ways and, and, you know, whether that's, if you're a religious person, I'm sure the church organizations, the local chamber of commerce, but, but one of the biggest things that I I think is taken for granted is, you know, there's a lot of conversations that are had amongst friends that are, that are hate to be rude, but, you know, pretty plain all the weather, this, the sports that, and a lot of times people know of organizations or uh, are a part of organizations. They just, they're not as forward in talking about it or, you know, they're not a big fundraising type of person and really just within your own network, asking people, not just what you did this past weekend, but Hey, you know, are, are you doing anything outside of work? You know, I'm really looking to, to try to get involved with something and, and I'm trying to find that right opportunity. and, and you'll run across things that you would have never even known probably about your friends or family. And secondly, I mean, that, that gives you at least a, a starting point to start making decisions for yourself. That's not to say that you need to jump on, on the first one that you hear about. Um, another good way is, uh, as you mentioned, Michelle, I'm, I'm on a number of different organizations and boards. And those people typically are involved in other organizations as well. So, by getting involved, even whether it's with a, a something huge like uh, national uh, lymphoma and leukemia funds, or American Red Cross, or the National Kidney Foundation, American Heart Association, things like that, you, you usually run into people that aren't just doing something for that organization. Um, they're usually doing something for someone else as well, and a, a good pool of folks to to hear about and and continue to to vet out the different opportunities for yourself. And, and I will, uh, I'll attest that, um, you know, the first ones that you do might not always be the, the, the one that you end up finally being the most passionate about, but along the way, I think that you will know when you've found the organization or organizations that, uh, that really are going to have that, uh, that social impact that you're looking for and that, Creating that new normal um, safe crossings and and bicycles against poverty have uh, have changed me uh, so much in a positive way. And, and Meg and, and hopefully the folks around me just in telling the stories, whether they donate time or money or not, um, that I've, I've pretty much outside of industry organizations slowed down a lot of my other larger. Larger organization roles just because I'm so passionate about these two.
1: So if someone's listening right now and they've taken notes, and if they haven't, they'll be in my show notes so you can look back at those later. So I'll make it easy for you. But if they are and they think, you know, maybe I haven't done as much as I would like to. And coming up to the new year, this is something that I'm going to put on my top New Year's resolution list. If you were to give that person one piece of advice that maybe this hasn't been their life before, but they'd like it to be now, or maybe it was, but they'd like to do even more or better. What's the single piece of advice you would give somebody who truly does want to make a difference?
0: that it's never too late. It's never too late to be humble and understand that, um, that we should not be thinking about how we can improve those that are not as, not as fortunate as us. You know, that's, that's the biggest single thing. It, it, you know, at certain points in time, I had been working with some bigger organizations and I thought, Hey, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to keep doing this. And I, I, I feel pretty good about it, but you know, I don't feel like I'm really having the impact that I could. And and it was going to luncheons with folks like you, uh, you, Michelle and, and, you know, reaching back out to Miyabi to see if, uh, you know, I knew he was looking at, at starting this organization, but, you know, reaching back out to the, to your network and and never giving up on trying to find a way to, to make other people's lives better.
1: Perfect. So, In closing, my final question for you, for the world traveler uh, that you are, (laughs) an insane uh, contributor, which, uh, like I said, I admire greatly. Out of everything you have gone through in your journey thus far in life, what is the one thing that you believe to be true?
0: You know, I I put a lot of thought into this, and and I think I can sum it up in, in, in two sentences is that. Never look at yourself and say, I, "I wish I could do more there's There's always opportunity to do more." And secondly, never take what you've got for granted, because there are hundreds of thousands of people that are are very much likely um, in a worse position than you are and and they are humble enough uh, and live with enough humility that they would will be very happy. Uh, to, to take what you have to offer, whether that be small or big time or money. And I I really believe that um, people sometimes think, well, I don't, uh, I don't have enough time or enough money and the the smallest bits can make the biggest, uh, biggest difference.
1: Very cool. Well, I knew that this conversation uh, would, would be absolutely one of my favorites, and uh, it has been my pleasure to be your very first and best friend uh, in Seattle, <laughs> and uh, and I appreciate your support here in San Francisco as well. So uh, keep it up. The, the world needs uh, more Brett Ernest out there and uh, and spreading the love and the light everywhere you go. So truly, I appreciate everything that you're doing, and thank you for uh, chatting with me today.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, and let me uh, talk a little bit about Bicycles Against Poverty and, uh, and also... Thank you for all of the amazing things that you've done for me here in Seattle.
1: Oh, see, I'm gonna have to send him that 20 bucks now.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Brett. (laughs) Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Game Changers podcast. The next step is to hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode or any of our incredible guests. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.